This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hello, dreamers, and welcome to the Dreamers Disease podcast with me, Alex Manzi. I am a positive mindset coach and social media freelancer. And on this very podcast, whether it's a discussion about everyday struggles or hearing the story of someone inspirational, we aim to inspire you to make a positive change in your life so that you can start becoming the best version of yourself. On this week's episode, I am joined by Sachin Sharma, who is a fellow life coach and podcaster, and he's one of my favorite people to chat to in general. So I'm really, really glad and really happy to officially sit down and record with him because we've been meaning to do it for a while and the stars just aligned and it managed to, to, to happen this week. So I'm really, really happy for it because we had an amazing conversation and we spoke a lot about his kind of origin story as he called it which included things around a past toxic relationship he was in we spoke about the power of living in the now the law of attraction and both of our thoughts on it why you should never stop asking why i know i just asked that kind of and we also touched on some very serious topics such as sexual and physical abuse and there's a fair bit of strong language so if that is not quite your thing then i would suggest you go and listen to another one of the 101 episodes available on the podcast if it is then stay with me. We'll be over to it in a sec. But before we jump in, I just want to thank you for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe if you're listening on iTunes or wherever you're listening to right now. And if you want to connect with me, take a screenshot of this, post it to your Instagram story and tag me at I am Alex Manzi and I will join you for a conversation in the DMs. But right now, let's jump straight in and hear from Sachin. All right, so to kick things off, do you want to let people know who you are and a bit about what you do? Man, who I am, we'll be here all day. <laughs> uh, yeah, my name's Sachin. I'm a, I'm, I run three businesses. So I'm doing life coaching, teaching people how to create state of mental health by using a self-love lifestyle. Business coaching, I'm teaching other coaches and influencers how to build and scale businesses that don't rely on ad revenue and sponsorships. And I'm teaching other coaches how to build a coaching practice without going through the bullshit that I had to go through and uh, doing social media consultancy. So uh, just teaching people real like organic grassroots stuff, like how I used YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, podcasting with a very small reach, like not thousands of pounds on paid advertising, just to do build a business that creates your own lifestyle. Mm. And I'm not out here like boasting about financial freedom and stuff like that, but just like just, talking about real shit yeah and i find it really interesting that like you're saying you've got three businesses that you're kind of all growing and working on but all kind of interchanging mm. amongst each other because you know as you know i've got a lot of projects that i work on as well podcast being one mm -hmm. my other podcast football podcast being another <laughs> uh freelance work being another you know this there's, there's just I'm, I'm sure there's stuff i'm forgetting as well to be fair and there's loads of stuff to balance. So like, how do you find that balance between the three and like working across three different projects mm. at the same time? Yeah, I mean, you know, working as a coach, my, my financial in, in my income just comes from speaking with people. So I don't know which business this person will be suitable for until I have a chat with them. Mm. So... You know, I take one-to-one -one coaching clients when I'm in client creation mode for life coaching, mostly through Instagram and email, like people will find my content and we'll chat. Um, business coaching is like, you know, I've met people or they've been on my podcast and we've talked. The social media consultancy is more like referral. 
So someone will be like, hey, you've got to check out what Sachin's doing. And blah. Someone will hit me up and be like, yo, our mutual friend X told me about you. So the balance, I don't really have one. I know which is my favorite and is business coaching. Close second is the life coaching stuff because I'm like super passionate about mental health. Um, and that's why I chose to be a coach full time. Yeah. That was my first love. And then when I found business coaching, I didn't, I just fell into it by accident. Same with social media consultancy. These things, I didn't come in the game with like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make money. It just start, people start talking about me in the circles I roll in with other coaches. So I just prioritize my coaching first. And yeah. then the consultancy stuff just comes as like, hey, we like what you're doing. Can we talk? Yeah, we can. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, um, uh, I think you called it client creation. client creation sorry yeah what's that so like a lot of coaches have this problem of like I don't know who I don't know where I'm gonna find people to speak with right and there's like people who talk about attracting clients there's people who talk about getting and all this other shit we don't roll like that when I say we I mean like the people who operate under this prosperous coach philosophy um, and is client creation is about I'm not going to tell you, hey, this is my hourly rate. This is what I, I'm not going to, you know, even if you never saw me before, the first thing out of my mouth is not going to be I'm a coach. Like when I go to golf, right? I'm not going to say, hey, Terry, I'm a coach. Let me coach you about business because I know you got money because you're playing golf. Client creation is all about giving someone an experience with you. So I probably won't mention that I'm a coach to anyone until mm. it's relevant for me to do so. So for example, like when I went to golf recently, um, there's a lot of older people there and I play at like three o'clock on a Wednesday. So like, <laughs> Cheap rate. so everyone else is at work and I'm there with like a bunch of 70 year olds. And one of them asked me like, shouldn't you be at work? And I was like, Oh yeah, um, I don't need to do that. Like, I run my businesses from my phone. And he was like, what do you do? And we got to talking about it and he said, so what's a coach? And I said, well, I have conversations with people and then miracles happen. And he was like, give me an example. What the fuck are you talking about? So I was talking to him about one of my clients who we worked with for a period of time and some, you know, she made really big progress. Lots of her mental illness symptoms cleared up and he was really interested. And he said, can you tell me more about how it works? This is the difference between pro coach and like who wants to be prosperous and everyone else. Everyone else is like, yes, this is my hourly rate. Oh my God, let's have a chat. Pro coach, let's have a chat. I'll block out two hours for you in my diary and let's see if this is suitable for you or let's give you an experience of it mm. and see if it's the right fit for both of us to do this together. There's no money involved. There's no mention of money until about a month later when I'm ready, if I'm ready to make a proposal. Yeah. And what, what, what do you um, cover in that, in that two hour call or that, that initial call? Like what are the, do you have specific subjects that you talk about? Do you have, you know, a list of things that you want to find out from the person? Never. Like would you kind of cover? I never script it so like that one of the reasons why I love doing this is like you me and you are very similar you love doing this podcast thing and so do I right mm. I just treat it like it's a podcast I want to find out more about this person but just come from a place of genuine curiosity so me and this person will sit down and be like okay so I like to ask questions like what do you want to create in the next 12 months what's important for you why is that important for you what's hold why haven't you got what you want yet because mm. I and this conversation I'll warn them in the beginning I'm not here to be your friend. I'm definitely not here to like make you feel better. And I will say things to you that no one else will have ever said to you in your life. Mm -hmm. Are you sure you want to continue to do this? And they're like, yeah. Because they want like people, in my experience, your mom and my mom, they love us and they'll tell it to us straight to a certain point. Or, and, they, and they're not going to take four hours out of their day to like, 
you know, they, they've done enough for us. Okay, mum's respect. But when you speak with a coach, this person doesn't know you. They're not intimately involved in your life. They haven't got the context of however many years it's been. And they get to look at the language you're using, the way you're speaking about yourself. And they get to call, I get to call people out on their shit, which is just one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you know what? I, I, I agree because like when I've had coaching calls with people, because you're, you're coming from a non-judgmental point of view, because you don't know anything about them, literally, mm. you know nothing about them other than probably their name and that's it. And you probably can guess their age if you've met them or had a, some sort of interaction with them before. That's it. So what I really like is that you can ask questions and almost like make them think about themselves. Like there's so many times I've come off of a call at the end, and at the end of the call, the person's like, oh my God, like, I, you know, you've asked me things I've never even asked myself or like, it, to be fair, I even do it during these interviews. Like yep. I'll ask someone a question, they're like, oh my God, I've never thought about that before. <laughs> like that, that's what I think, like be, doing podcasting and coaching and just sharpens both the skills. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And I think like, you know, for me being over a hundred episodes, it's like, there's a lot of, questions i've asked in that time mm. and i do I, it's funny you said that about taking the approach of treating it like a, a podcast or vice versa it's like i come into a interview for example like this with a bit of an idea of what i want to talk about but i just see where the conversation goes because i don't know i'm not going to force a part of a conversation if it doesn't naturally fit in yeah unless i think it's going to be something really massively important that's going to be of value and the same when it comes to the coaching calls i won't try and force certain aspects into the conversation unless it feels natural that's what a lot of coaches do, especially in the first year. They get scared, like, mm. oh, they're not getting enough value out of this, and I don't know if I should be charging, whatever. Part of it is you've got trust in yourself, your ability as a coach, and you'll always get better. But when you try and take the conversation somewhere, that's when you're creating resistance within it, and you're not actually serving the client. You're trying mm. to create something for you, and that's not what this is about. You leave your own shit outside. Mm. Yeah, I think resistance is a big thing. It's something I've, in a lots of different terms, we're speaking about a lot in terms of like the amount of resistance we create in our lives, not just, you know, coaching stuff, but just in general. Mm -hmm. It's like it becomes a big, big problem, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, like you can, someone, I read this book, it's called The War of Art. Have you heard mm, of it? Yeah, yeah, I've read it, yeah. I mean, that like really- It's I, all about resistance, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I was working on my book at the time. Oh, hey, let me correct myself. I was procrastinating like a bitch. On my, I'd written 400 words on my book. Now I'm past 10,000 within two weeks. Mm. And I'm not boasting, but I'm just saying, like, all it did was call me out on my shit. Mm. Like, the book basically slapped me in the face with this idea that resistance is trying to stop you from doing what you're doing. And it's easier to, to give resistance what it wants than to go and do your thing. And I have this little ceramic or um, origami swan that I got mm. from Japan on my table. And every time I, I look at it, I'm like, I'm not letting resistance win. That that swan there is is sitting there, is staring at me like, "What are you gonna do?" Yeah, I'm like, "Fuck! Why did I buy it? Because yeah. I have to do the work now." Yeah, it's good to have those little reminders. Like I've got things that, even just small things that I'll look at, and it will just remind me of that one thing. And I go, "Okay, cool." Yeah, like you know, don't stress about this thing today, or don't you know whatever it is, and it's little things like an origami. Like I've got a. Um, a couple of stones on my bedside table and like a couple of coins and stuff that I've picked up on my travels. Yeah. And each one of them represents like different. So when I see them, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm not going to worry about that thing or don't forget about that. That's what I, that's what I love about collecting tattoos as well. Cause it's like, 
is a permanent reminder and mm. is like lifetime commitment to something. Yeah. And since since I committed fully to this lifestyle, those things that used to bug me or used to stop me from doing things, every time I look at something on me or something around me, I'm like, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't have a place in here anymore. And the doubt, yeah, obviously we're all gonna have doubts, but the doubts that stopped me two years ago, they're way behind now. Mm. And I'm probably going to collect a bunch more in the next year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, and but that and that that mention of doubt, resistance, all that stuff ties back into what you were saying before about helping people with their mental health and being passionate about it. Mm. So like for you, where does that passion come from? Okay, so I, I don't I don't think you know this about me. I don't think I've told you about my origin story. <laughs> origin uh, story. Let's go. I'm in for the I'm in for the origin story. So buckle your fucking seatbelts, bro. <laughs> this shit's about to get rough. So when I was young, like a lot of fucked up stuff was happening, right? So mm. I was getting raped and molested on a regular basis when from wow. the age of like five till nine. Mm. And it was like, bro, like I don't, I haven't talked about it in like great detail, but I'd mention it because I'm okay with it now. But, you know, since that stuff was happening, I hated myself because I was told I was dirty and all this other bullshit. And, you know, it really fucked with me inside like I they told me it was my fault and all of this like horrible shit so I internalized it and I didn't know but I was living a self-destructive lifestyle from the age of like 10 like I was always trying to embarrass myself so that people would laugh at me so because I got that as like positive reinforcement yeah. from that time in it so there's me living this lifestyle and then the suicidal shit started coming around like when i was 13 it was the first time i tried to kill myself but i didn't mm. do it in like the conventional manner yeah mm. so we're on a ski trip uh with my school yeah and there's the last day of the ski trip and the guy his name was milky one of the instructors and he was like right we're just gonna do our last run and then everyone go home top of the mountain to the bottom you gotta do turns right to yeah. stop you from going so fast I was like, fuck that. And I just went straight down. And, and I got like tucked myself in and just went bombed down the mountain. And I crossed over someone else's skis and yeah. I nearly hit loads of other people. I still didn't know that I was trying to hurt myself. And then like I found weed when I was older and then I was like drinking and smoking. And then in university, I went through a really hard time. Like this girl, um, her dad was a police officer. So she kept blackmailing me. Every time I tried to break up with her, she was like, hey, by the way, if you do, like, if you don't leave your apartment keys with me, my dad's going to throw you in prison and you're not going to last in prison. And, yo, like, as much as I wanted to be a tough guy, I know I'm not. Mm. So, like, I, yeah, I started hating myself like crazy. And in that time, she basically, like, destroyed lots of things that I, like, all the good, the kind of good things about me, she helped me turn myself into a shell of who I yeah. was. Like, what, what sort of things? What sort of good things? Uh, so like I was always confident in talking to people. Yeah. I was always like, cracking jokes. And then three years later, I was like, <laughs> I was just basically like a dummy mm. just sitting there like existing. And, you know, it was a really fucked up period of time. But I did a study abroad placement in Australia and she was there too. And that's when shit got real. Like she started roofing me on a regular wow. basis and then filming all of this weird shit that they, I made a video about it on my channel. But like... I'm not going to make the whole thing about that. These things up until the age of like 22, this shit was going on. And then I met this girl and like, she saved my life. Like mm. literally I was going to kill myself for real that, uh, probably like that week. And then this girl moved down the hall from me and it was like, I never had love at first sight. And I don't think that's what this was, but like I, we, we looked at each other and we started talking and something about me knew that I was going to be with her. So 
we were talking and whatnot and we started seeing each other and um she was like why are you so sad like what, what what do you have to be sad about and she started seeing like she started telling me stuff that she saw in me like you're good looking you're this you're that i'd never heard that shit ever yeah and it really just like i was like oh okay and then um yeah like you know, it's this, that, the previous girlfriend I'd had, she started sending all these videos out of like all this fucked up stuff that they'd done. And that girl I was with at the time, she was like, I don't care. Why do you care? Mm. And I was like, so I don't have to care what other people think. And that was like a huge light bulb moment for me. Yeah. And then like, when, when that happened, I finished university and we broke up because I, I broke up with her because I see, I could see like, she was dragging herself down to be like supporting me. She was basically helping me put the pieces together. And she was from another country. I don't want to say where, because whatever. Um, but yeah, she went back home. And then when I finished uni, I realized I had a lot of problems. Yeah. I didn't like being on my own. I was constantly addicted to distraction. I was playing video games all the fucking time. Drinking, smoking, cigarettes, weed. Every type of distraction I could pursue... I was pursuing it. I was talking to girls, not because I was interested in them, just because I wanted someone to talk to that wasn't me. Mm. I didn't want to sit with this. And then like in 2014, I had like eight months where I was looking for a job. I was unemployed. I, I graduated a biology degree and I got upper second class honors. I don't, whatever, it doesn't mean anything. And everyone told me, hey, this is a great thing. You're a good Indian kid. Got the pat on the back. Well done. You might be a doctor one day. I was like, yo, fuck that. And um, yeah, I just spent eight months in my parents' house playing Destiny, the video game. Jeez. And I racked up like 400 hours on that bitch in a very short period of time. And my brother was really concerned. He was like, this is, this is destroying you. And I just thought, oh, shut up. You're overreacting. It's the fucking game. Relax. Yeah. And he was like, look, don't you want to one day be like, you know, he knew I was mad about Japan. He was like, don't you want to one day just wake up and be like, yeah, I want to go to Japan today. Let's buy a flight and let's go. I said, like, yeah, well, I have to be realistic. That's never going to happen. And he said, look, he showed me this video and it was one of his friends. And his friend was saying in the video, if you want things that no one else has, you got to create what they don't have. What don't most people have? They don't have value that makes them irreplaceable. Mm. Most people in their jobs are replaceable, right? And he said, if you create value for the world at scale, not even at scale in like a million sense, just for people generally, like a carpet store. Derek's carpets he mm. makes them a certain way you can't get that from Tony's carpets yeah you create value like that for people and over time you'll be able to create a lifestyle that revolves around doing that and if it's something you love it won't feel like work and there's me being jealous of my brother because he's always had music he's always loved it and I never had any I never was interested in anything except getting high and playing video games and okay yeah people are making money off playing video games but I just I didn't really want to do that so I found a retail job. I was working in the banking sector and it just like, oh man, I was, I was smoking like two, three joints while I, was, I shouldn't say it, but while I was on the way to work, I don't <laughs> want to say how I got there. And then I would get, get into the workplace and I would be like, this is fucking boring. And I would fall asleep at my desk. I would just chat up all the women that came and talked to me. That's just because I was bored. And one day my boss came in and I was sleeping at my desk and she was like, you're not taking this job seriously, you're going to get fired. And I was like, do you know what? I can't have this. And one time I went to go to the toilet and the assistant manager said, you can't go. <laughs> what? I was thinking like, am I at school? Like, what the fuck is this? Anyway, so 
I, I came up to like month three is when I usually get fired from jobs because I don't like being told what to do and I don't fit with the structure of like you can talk about this you can't talk about that blah 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 yeah so it comes to like month three and I say to my boss I can't handle this anymore I'm going to quit and she basically sexually propositioned me and was like if you don't quit I'll do sexual favors for you every day and I was like you know what man I'm just I'm like I've talked to a lot of my friends at the time about this and they were like you're stupid you must mm. be gay or whatever I was just like you know what bro I'm so over that like the, after being with that psychotic person I've seen what like temporary pleasure does to people and I was so put off by that and I was like I'm done so I quit and I went to work in an office every day from nine till six I was on my own this office is just menial admin work like very like a fucking seven-year-old could have done the work if you yeah. taught them and I took that 70% pay cut to go and work there because I could take my laptop with me and I started just learning about like psychology self-development spirituality Buddhism Taoism all of these things that I didn't know about at the time but it felt familiar to me and I, I changed so much in a, such a short period mm. of time. So 2015 was when that was like Ju July 2015. By July the next year, I was a completely different person and I was ready to start my blog. I'd stopped drinking. I cut off all of my family and uh, all of my friends, childhood friends, everyone. I just started from scratch and mm. I just had my parents and my brother in my life. And doing that, that, okay, so from 2015 all the way to summertime, end of the year 2017 i didn't talk to anyone i didn't go clubbing i didn't have sex i didn't have relationships i didn't i didn't do anything that society does mm. i didn't watch movies i didn't go out of my house unless it was to take a walk in nature or go and sit under a tree meditate or do some journaling like i basically was surrounded virtually by all the people that i look up to like elliot hulse gary v joe rogan um lewis house aubrey marcus tim ferris I was just overloading myself with all of this content and something incredible happened. Like in a, such a short period of time, I started remembering all of this old shit that had happened. Cause I, up until that point, I didn't remember like my spine getting fucked with when I was in Australia. I didn't remember getting roofied. I didn't remember all this childhood shit. I didn't remember any of it. But as soon as I stopped drinking, it started coming back in chronological order. Yeah. Wow. And I just like, I was shell-shocked. I would wake up screaming and crying sometimes. My parents thought I was going crazy. They were like, you need help. I went to therapy and I just, it didn't do anything for me, bro. It felt like I was going there to whinge and mm. I don't like that. And like all of this stuff I was learning was like, don't complain. So I was like, yeah, but stuff has happened. Yeah, but what are you going to do about it now? And then the therapy, I was in a group therapy setting. Everyone was just complaining. And I said, like, I stood up one time. I was like, you're an idiot because of X, Y. And they didn't like me. And I knew I shouldn't have done it. I'm not, I'm not condoning that behavior. I'm not yeah, saying yeah. I was right for doing it. But I, at that moment, I was really judgmental to everyone and myself. And I just stood up, told each of them what their problem was. And I walked out of the room. And then, like, you know, after explaining all of that, my passion for this really comes from, like, I seen what I did to myself. Yeah. I saw what I did to my mom. Because she was like, she wasn't the same as me, but she was fucked up about a lot of stuff. And when our relationship, when my relationship with myself was healed, well, healing constantly, but like when it got better, I helped my mom's relationship with me and her with herself. And it rippled out to so many people. People were coming up to me saying, hey, what the fuck have you been saying to your mom? And then other people, I started coaching people from my blog. Like I started posting on Tumblr at the end of 2016. 
And then I coached over a hundred people in the space of like three months from when I did my coaching course in 2017. And these things just showed me like, okay, I get it when people say you're a strong person and stuff. Don't, you don't really, like no one really knows me. So I don't really take it as like a, a real thing. But I realized that I got something, mm. you know, Gary used this analogy of like, in uh, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, everyone's been given raisins and the world is thirsty and you got a fucking orange. I'm going to squeeze that bitch for everything has got in it. And I realized I got an orange and yeah. you have too. And all these other people around me have got oranges yeah. for days. Like we've all got like bags and bags of oranges. Everyone I was around before had raisins. Well, they thought they had raisins, but really they have oranges. They haven't looked. Yeah. So my passion for this really comes from like my journey and then seeing the effect that I had on other people. And then the more I do it, the more motivated I get. Like, you know, I'm putting on these group programs and doing seminars about how to cure your depression naturally without medication. And the feedback that I've been getting from it, like it just is something that you don't get from something you don't love. Like when I was at the bank, the feedback I was getting was, fuck you, you're stupid, you're not good enough to be an employee here and blah, blah, blah. All right, cool. That, that was soul destroying. And the one thing I've realized about all of this, like having a bad state of mental health, my life was built on a series of obligations. So I wake up every day like I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. And I just was thinking like, how the fuck am I going to get through the next 24 hours? Okay, here's some drugs. And now my life's built on a series of commitments. I yeah. get to, I want to, I'm excited to, and I, I you know, I'm, I'm looking to progress. I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> no, you did kind of. And I think, you know, what you were saying about the place that you were at in terms of like your own mental health. And once you started to kind of learn more, take that responsibility for yourself, take the ownership, learn all the different things that you said about, you know, Buddhism and, you know, self-care and everything else. Like a lot of that process reflects in my own journey in terms of like being in a place where I finally recognized I wasn't being myself anymore and saying that out loud for the first time mm. and having like a proper breakdown. And from that moment, well, it took, it took a bit of a longer transition than what it sounded like you did, but over the kind of year and a half that followed, really taking the kind of care, well, it took me like a year to figure out what I needed to do or wanted to do about it. And then the following six months was about me doing exactly what you did, just taking in so much reading, podcasts, YouTube, like to all these people, very similar names to the mm -hmm. people that you, you mentioned, right? And the change that I saw in myself and my own beliefs and my own understanding and my own capabilities and confidence and everything was just like through the roof. And, you know, a lot of stuff started off the back, like, like this podcast, like, you know, stuff like that. So I think, Hearing that is, is well, for me, very profound, but I think I can really relate to it as well in terms of like then almost starting from scratch. And I've used this analogy before of like a Lego house that was built wrong and you've kind of just knocked the whole thing down and you started from zero, mm. the first brick, the second brick, and built it up in the correct, or c continuing to build it up in the correct way, brick by brick. And that's what I feel like the journey that I'm going on at the minute is that process of, building that rebuilding that house brick by brick and kind of doing it the right way and the mm. way that I want to do it instead of doing it the way that everyone else is telling me to do it which is the wrong way for me or, or whatever I think that's a big problem man and especially with us being young like 
you know it's a huge ego death like i've taken psychedelics a few times and it's really helped my spiritual growth i don't promote it to other people because i did it with intention and there's a whole another thing but you know having an ego death of not without drugs but just of looking at your life like i've done everything wrong according to me so now it's time to start from scratch most like most people i've met this is a very daunting concept because yeah. here in the west we identify with things we identify with ideas of ourselves with beliefs that we hold that other people are doing it so maybe this is the best way and there's a lot of like we're conditioned to doubt ourselves mm. and the big reason why i think a lot of us are ill now and look you don't have to have a diagnosis to know that there's something wrong you don't have to I, yeah i got labels thrown at me my shit was severe whatever but i knew there was something wrong because I one day, you one day, Anton one day, everyone one day stopped asking why. Mm. When you were a child and Mama Menzi was like, no, Alex, you can't have that. And you said why? And you asked why like seven more times. Then she shut that shit down and you stopped asking why. Something happened. Mm. You took it as a, oh, wait, okay, so I'm not going to ask why. And because we stopped questioning things, that's when the layers and layers and layers of conditioning, we just accepted it. And it's that, that when people talk about unlearning, when they talk about reconditioning, reprogramming, all these other words that we want to use, that whole thing starts with like, let's question the paradigm that you have right now. And the paradigm that you hold is like the sunglasses through which you're viewing the world. Yeah. And like, I just love this idea of like, your paradigm could be whatever it wants. Like you're wearing glasses right now. They look fucking amazing. Let's say you want to wear rose tinted or teal, teal tint. Like you can. You it's pick whatever. the background as well. There you go. <laughs> like you pick whatever glasses you want. But I think a lot of us are fixed with, no, these are the glasses I've been wearing. I don't want to try a new one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. And I think there is like massive value in like choosing to see how you see things. And it's like what you were saying about asking why and people losing that. One thing that I found really beneficial recently is like when I'm, I feel like I'm going through something or something's getting on top of me or something's making me unhappy is I'll ask why mm. to myself. And I literally have the conversation with myself in my head. I'm like, okay, why are you feeling unhappy? Oh, it's because, da, da, da. okay. And why is it making you feel like that? Da, 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 da. And then why? And I keep asking why, 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 why until I get to the root cause of exactly what it is. And it normally comes down to something about myself or like my confidence or I feel like I've been whatever or neglected or what you know whatever it is there's you know fear or there's loads of different things that it comes down to but it always comes down to the same few things at the core of it and then once i get down to okay the fear for example i then go okay how can you get on top of the fear and then i start to ask the other questions like how 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 and then build up the other way yeah so i kind of break it down all the way and then i bring it back up through asking how or whatever that's the um which is it's really 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 helpful actually um, but through through the coaching that you've done, um, and I know you've done quite a lot, is what are the kind of insights that you tend to see most people have or or come to for themselves? Is there like a a trend within that? You know, everyone's different, but one one of the things I love about my style is uh, I use this term pretty much every single time I coach. I'd say like seventy percent of the sessions I have, I say this, and it's just one line of "I don't believe you." Yeah. Because, look, man, you know when you're lying to yourself. I don't. But if you come to me with something that I feel is an excuse, I'm going to say I don't believe you. Someone says I don't have time, definitely don't believe you. Someone says I'm not motivated. All right, I do believe you're not motivated, but how, like, where, why? Mm. And, like, 
you know, it's the, the insights people have generally 90% of the time, someone will say, and I get this a lot and I'm laughing because I had it yesterday. Someone will say to me, I just didn't know I was bullshitting myself that much. Mm. And it's like, yeah, I have my own coach too, right? So when I speak with my coach, I I kind of coach myself within our session and he just holds the space for me sometimes. And, and I'm like, fuck, I bullshit myself when I'm talking <laughs> to him. Yeah. And I learned like to stop coaching myself within our time and my insights that I get about myself are kind of similar to what my clients have as well. So like at the moment I'm transitioning, I'm scaling my business. And one of the things I've been doing, which is so scary, like I've been turning down money because yeah. I don't want to do more one-to-one stuff. And I said to my coach, I was like, oh, man, I'm scared. <laughs> and like every time I level up my income, I hit a dip before I get there. So like, let's say you're at X and you want to be at 20X. Before you get to 20x, you'll probably go to like x minus 10. Yeah. And that dip, when I was there, I was like, oh my God, I just, this does not feel good. And, you know, one of the insights I got from speaking with my coach that day was like, when I feel the dip coming on, I act like I'm in the dip or that it's coming. Yeah. I don't actually need to do that. And it's similar to a lot of us. What we do is like, our thoughts are another filter for the way we feel, right? So the way you think, determines the way you feel sometimes put a lot of the time so um, another insight that someone had was like i didn't realize that i was creating these negative thoughts and we do create them like it's not a random thing i always say this in everything i do mental health is not a mystery mm. you know like if i go and consume 20 hours of the news what do you think i'm gonna be th- i'm gonna be thinking about terrorism yeah. i'm gonna be looking at every muslim person on the street like they're gonna do something to me like, I'm, I'm not going to look at these people favorably. Anyone, I'm going to be scared. I'm gonna be, I don't want to leave my house because the news is so like, it's yeah. just a fear-based nonsense machine, right? Yeah. So in my head, I'm scared to leave the house. I don't want to make friends with people from other cultures. So my mind is just one track fear. But if, let's say if I branched out a little bit, I went to a restaurant, I went to eat and I, the football was on and I started talking to, like, you're going to have different thoughts. So... A lot of what I do now when it's teaching about mental health is like, let's shake up your routine. Let's change the way you're being. And the insights that I got from that have been amazing. Like people have written to me and I got an email recently where someone was said, I I didn't realize how how scripted my life was going forward. You know, like Mm. how everything's like a conveyor belt. And she was like, I didn't realize I'd signed up for that. And that is, that's one of the most freeing and scary things at the same time. Yeah, like, mate, even you just saying that is like, makes you think back to before I went away at the start of this year. Like, I had in my head everything scripted Mm. of how I wanted the next six months, year, (laughs) five years to kind of go and be. And I went to Japan, came back and I was like, oh, and I've spoken about this loads on here already, but like, I was like, wow okay like maybe that's not what i thought and and you know everything was like to do with coaching podcasts like all the stuff that i'm still doing but all of a sudden like the lens that i was looking at things through had widened and i just saw more of Mm. everything and i was just like oh wow i need to like process all of this and like almost reevaluate stuff and but it was scary very scary don't get me wrong but exciting and freeing at the same time so yeah, I massively understand that, like from what you're saying through the, when you get those insights, even just for yourself and not, not only when you, you, you help someone else get to that point. 
Yeah, and that's one of the best things I love about being coached and coaching as well. When mm. I'm being coached, I can get to new depths with myself. And like I bullshit myself a lot too, man. Like I talk myself out of doing stuff. Like I was scared to join golf because I didn't want these people to look at me like, who's this millennial? Shouldn't you be at work? I don't like for a long time I felt bad about being successful. Yeah. You know, like I didn't like it when people, especially I got it from women, like they asked me how much money do you make? What do you do? Like, why aren't you at work and stuff like that? That was the one that fucked with me the most. Why aren't you at work? And I was really embarrassed. I'd be like, I run my own business. Like, what kind of shit is that? Like, mm. I didn't realize I had a complex about, like, because I saw it as what people, I thought I projected into what would this person be thinking about me. Yeah. And I didn't, like, I, there's no way I can show people, look how much great stuff I'm doing in the world. I, I just had to own it. And it was really funny, man. Like, when I talked with my coach about it, I didn't realize, like, I had a fear of becoming more successful because I didn't want people to ask me more. That's a weird shit, man. No, mate. Again, I've, I'm the same. Like, I've, I'm massively scared of success, like hugely. And I and I hold my. And I know I do. I hold myself back sometimes because of that. But it's like it, it's weird that that we're we're brought up in a society where success is almost celebrated. But well, the journey to journey in inverted commas to in inverted commas success. <laughs> Is celebrated but once you get there people like tear you down for it and yeah. i think you know it creates that fear and it's like i think that's why you know yourself having a coach like i've worked with my mentor john it's like having those conversations with people and coming to those realizations about yourself is really powerful and mm. um, have you had any other kind of insights about yourself through coaching yeah like my first coach from 2017 uh sorry no last year 2018 um, I didn't realize I was still playing the victim so much and I was scared to talk about, you know, all this difficult stuff that had happened. And like, you know, I was letting it own me, you know, like, yeah, most men don't want to talk about, oh no, you know, you, someone did something to your butt and now you're gay. Like, that's what I was thinking. That's mm. what I was told for such a long time. Like, oh yeah, now you're gay. But I was like, so why do I like girls? Like, my, that's what, when, when I was younger, these, these people who were doing this stuff to me, they wanted me to be gay to bring shame on my family, yeah. which is a whole stupid bullshit thing for another conversation. Yeah. But I still was holding on to a lot of that. And I thought I was bringing shame on the community and all this shit. And then like, I had a conversation with my coach and he was like, you know, broke it down the way he broke down the way I viewed it to me. And now he goes, do you think this is true? And I said, definitely not. And, you know, this is one of the things I love about coaching. It's not about digging up the past more. It's about creating a new frame of reference. Mm. So my new frame was like, yeah, this stuff has happened. But like one of my favorite things is constructing a narrative that serves you. So I looked at it as like, oh, this is my superhero origin story. That's why I talk about like, you know, this is the narrative that serves me is I was picked for this. Yeah. Maybe last time I like when I was in life last time, I fucked over a bunch of people. I don't know. But the the story that feels fun for me to roll with is I was picked for this before I came here. I chose to have these experiences before I came here. Why? Oh, yeah. So that I can help other people with it. And so like that was a huge breakthrough for me last year. That's when I started sharing way more personal stuff. And, you know, the without that, I don't think I would be doing any of these things now. Yeah, I was doing a podcast back then. I was on my YouTube channel. I was doing Instagram things. I was still coaching, but I wasn't at, I hadn't confronted myself at a certain mm. level. And so I really feel blessed that I had that from someone who was like twice my age, had been through not something similar, but had certain things around shame too. 
and I was able to talk about it like afterwards. Now I can host, let's say like if there was a hundred people here who all had the same thing that I had, I can talk to everyone about it with zero. And I don't mean it. I'm not saying it just for everyone here, but I'm saying zero like self doubt of, oh my God, wait, I don't know if I should say this. I don't give a fuck anymore, man. Like, it's so freeing to know like I'm not six years old anymore. Yeah. Like I got, I started going to the gym regularly and she was like, get pissed off about something before you do the deadlift. I was like, uh, Ingrid, I'm not really an angry person. She was like, shut the fuck up. Yes, you are. Everyone gets angry about something. Yeah. That's how I can channel certain things like, yeah, it's unfair. All right. Well, what am I going to do with that on a regular basis? Nothing. But in the gym, you can use it for something positive. Yeah. And I think this is something that a lot of us, like, I know you hit the gym. Anton looks like he definitely does. <laughs> like for men, especially, I think all of us need some sort of primal outlet you know yeah. i used to do jujitsu for a bit and then i realized i'm too young to have elbow and knee problems i know i'm not having that life yeah. but you know for that period of time i learned a lot about respect introspection insight into like when you fight someone and this isn't fist fighting this is like wrestling and grappling you learn about yourself you learn how resilient are you as a mm. person and those things combined at that time for me really shaped me like really i can't tell you with those like 18 months that i did jujitsu for it shaped me as a person yeah and i really i i thank god that i found that because i was losing the fucking plot bro like i wasn't doing any exercise except for running around the block and it's in the fucking circle so that's probably gonna drive you nuts on its own when i found jujitsu and i found that coach i leveled up everything i started making more money i started speaking more confidently i got over my social anxiety i made friends with people around something common and it felt a state of mental health. Like when you're exhausted, you're panting, your clothes are sweaty, the rash guard is like slipping off you because you're so sweaty. You are a different person in that state of mind. You're too, you're too tired to give a fuck about all these yeah. victim excuses. So insights that I've had have really liberated me from the cage of my own excuses. Yeah, I think the, the gym, I think it's just exercise in general is very underrated for that. Mm -hmm. And like for me admittedly i haven't been in the gym for like three four weeks for a number of reasons mainly like physical injuries um back and and wrist and stuff so i'm like dying to get back in the gym but i want to take it easy when i do but that thing of like pushing yourself that one extra rep mm. that one extra push that one extra squat that whatever it is like you're you're constantly pushing yourself outside of your con your your comfort zone like chucking on an extra five kilos which isn't a lot in the grand scheme of things but chucking that extra five kilos on and really struggling to like do those last couple reps like you're pushing yourself so hard breaking out of that comfort pushing yourself for more for better not just for physical gain for mental gain as well and it's like one of the things that i've started really recently skateboarding because nice. i've always wanted to skateboard and i always, was always too scared and the area i grew up and it's just a list of excuses the area I grew up no one really skateboarding and this and that and that and the other. And I went away um, to visit a friend in Montreal, came back and we were sort of hanging out in the skate parks there because uh, she's a skater and came back and I was like, I'm going to take my skateboard out. Because I had one in my flat and it was an ornament. It was because I had a nice bit of artwork on the deck. It was an ornament in my flat. I thought, that's it, I'm going to take it out. So for the last like five, well, yeah, five weeks, but a couple weeks not because I was my bad back. So it was probably four out of six weeks. I've been going to the park like three, four days a week just learning to skateboard and not because because I do want to learn skateboard but because the challenge of it and pushing myself mentally to like try and stay on the board to try and 
do a an ollie to try and turn to try and this is all stuff i don't know how to do but by pushing myself to do it and continually to push yourself out of your comfort zone to do it you're learning more about yourself like i won't give up like literally last night or the night before i was in the park until it was dark trying to practice to ollie because i was like i'm not giving up until i can i can ollie properly and it's like that relentlessness in terms of like pushing yourself as much as you can to get better for yourself and it's like i feel great like even though i haven't been in the gym like mentally and physically i feel a lot like clearer through doing those things and it's like it's just so powerful man i think we don't talk about those those positive benefits of it you know in horror movies when they bring a priest in to do an exorcism yeah yeah he does that the whole power of christ compels you yeah what what does the word exorcism have in common with exercise you're exercising the demon right Mm. when i i was when I was going through this like flashback period of remembering all my shit, if I didn't have jujitsu, then I probably would have gone to prison because yeah. I was going to go. I said to my brother, I'm going to go to their house and I'm going to set them on fire and I'm going to laugh at them while I, when they're burning in their house and crying. That's a fucked up thing to say. Mm. Well, I'm not going to lie, but it's, there's a truth. Mm. You know, all of us are, if you know a drug dealer, you're three phone calls away from getting a strap. Like, that's just some real shit. And I, I know everyone's going to be like, oh, I'm not a fucking gangster, okay? I'm not a tough guy. But we're resourceful creatures when we want shit, okay? Yeah. Pay a crackhead £20 to do something. I'm not saying I would do these things now. Back then, I was a really toxic and fucked up person because yeah. of this shit that was going on in my head. But when I started exercising, I calmed the fuck down. CTFD instead of PTSD. Yeah. Like, I was calm. After jujitsu, I didn't have energy to pursue vengeful thoughts. I was just tired. And I spoke to the instructor. I was like, this is really helping me with my anxiety and shit. He was like, good, keep coming. Yeah. And I went like four times a week and I didn't have room for complaint. I was just, my abs were hurt. I've always been a chubby <laughs> kid. My, I didn't have abs. I still don't. Like my shit was hurting all the time. So I didn't have like, there was not an ounce of strength or energy in my body to put into negative things. And it's because I was exercising the demons on a regular basis. Yeah. It really, I've honestly, man, I can't tell you. I went some, sometimes I'd wake up with this vengeance in my head of these really horrible things I wanted to do to people. After jujitsu, I'd be like, oh, I want to just want to eat and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's like, you find those moments of clarity when you're working out as well, because like you said, in, in jujitsu, which I haven't done admittedly, but like when you're in that moment where you're just, you've got nothing left to give, the only thing you are thinking about and caring about in that moment is what on earth you're going to do to get yourself out of the situation you are in. And it's the same when you're working out or running or swimming. It's like that extra two lengths of a pool where you're really fighting. You're only thinking about making it to the end of the pool and getting back again. Yep. You're not thinking about anything else. And that's where everything else falls away. And that's where that clarity and that's where the anxiety and everything falls away because you realize it doesn't matter because you're just focused on doing what you're doing in that present moment. That's why presence, if you could make a pill, that is, and this is what all drugs do, except for alcohol to a degree. Drugs bring you into the present moment. Alcohol kind of does because it gives you a feeling that you can only experience feelings in the now. Yeah. Drugs, I'm talking like Mandy, sorry, MDMA, um, weed, ketamine, acid. Well, I haven't done most of these drugs, coke, all, all this stuff. What's it doing is giving you a feeling that you can only experience in the now. And the reason why people are consuming drugs, and I've done a lot of it myself, when you're in the now is when you experience the deepest joy. Mm. To have something to allow you to experience joy in the now, like drugs, sex, gambling, whatever it might be, that's the shit that we can chase to help us get away from these problems. But like you just said, 
when you're looking at like in your exercise when you're trying to give everything that you've got and you have that clarity of presence of mind there is nothing like that drugs mm. don't come anywhere near it we've all smoked weed let's not lie you don't get that when you're high yeah like sometimes you're cloudier than a motherfucker you can't mm. really think straight but when you exercise when you run or when you're like doing something you love like with the art with you know dancing cooking singing whatever it might be you're accessing the infinite realm of now yeah that's where you get your best ideas your most creative things passion everything that comes from here right now that's why i love saying like we don't need anything yeah and i'd say a don't do drugs oh yeah sorry (laughs) (laughs) b you're right i think a lot of that in terms of like the the drug abuse alcohol abuse is people searching for that feeling of experiencing things in the now and not knowing how to do it in any given present moment so they go and search for something to facilitate it and wrongly so because then all you end up doing is you end up in a circle of chasing that feeling when you don't need to chase that feeling because that feeling is always present my friend calls it the hedonistic treadmill yeah he's just trying to get more pleasure yeah and like you know i've never done the phase like a lot of my friends say i missed out because i never slept with a lot of women in a short period of time but i just saw people who were doing it like they were never at peace Mm. there was one guy people used to call him mr smooth at uni (laughs) and he'd like he'd boast about how many women he'd slept with and it was lots of other people's girlfriends and all this other stuff and he just was always miserable every time i saw him he was just like pissed off yeah and i was like it doesn't seem to be always cracked up to me but now it makes sense like you're seeking something outside of you yeah and i find like and this is something i've only really truly sort of kind of coming to understand recently is like when you are fully in the present moment you are living your full potential because when you're truly present and you're truly in that moment and everything else has fallen away and you're with that one specific moment anything is possible within that moment anything literally and it's like but if we don't allow ourselves to open up to those possibilities and those opportunities then you're always going to be on that was it hedonistic Mm. treadmill of chasing that feeling of trying to fulfill your potential where it's like you can fulfill your potential in any given moment because in any given moment you have the potential to to exist and live as best as you can and that's the it's it's such a hard concept to understand but it's it's truth you know if we were present 100 percent of the time it'd be fucking exhausting yeah you know we that's that's one of the things i've learned it's like it's part of the game to catch yourself when you're not present it's not about trying to be 100 percent of the time it's just about like that's the, with everything when i was giving up drinking it's not like you know i had a relapse there's only mm. one in the beginning when i did it i said i wasn't going to do it and then like saturday night came around and i got fucked up mm. but you know after that i learned like every time i wanted to do it why like you're saying breaking it down but i think like people hear us talk about when you're present what the great benefits of it are the misconception is sometimes like you know people think that it's a permanent thing if you do it that's it it's done but it's a it's an ever-evolving game that's why Mm. there's so much personal development content out there yeah and i think that's the beauty of a lot of it and it's like even things like law of attraction it's like people you hear people talking about law of attraction and what is it and etc etc and it's like i don't know where i sit with it to be honest where do you sit with like law of attraction uh so i'm a very non-conventional person um i have a lot of unpopular opinions as you might be able to tell one of my unpopular opinions is that 
a lot of people are selling law of attraction like it's something you know like it's this thing that you can acquire or this way of life that you can live it's already working for you okay mm. like you know if you walked around with a screw face on all day and a negative mindset you're going to attract problems barry down the road is probably going to slap you because you bumped into his car whatever i don't know if i walk around with a smile on my face which i've done a lot it's not like i was sitting over there across the road and i was laughing to myself i was looking at something on my phone and these girls started talking to me about something that would not happen if I was in a negative mindset, okay? So you attract what you are. That's where I sit on it, bro. It's a passive thing that's working with you at all times. Now you get to dictate what you attract to you if you have an intention. Mm. And that's it. It's not anything massively complicated. But nowadays, like this new age movement, this shit's been around for centuries, okay? This, we millennials think that we've discovered something, I don't, whatever. But this shit is all about the way you carry yourself as an individual. Me, having gone through the stuff that I went through, I carried myself like a victim. I kept attracting problems to me. Mm. I wanted to be a tough guy. I met some of the, most, the nastiest individuals I've ever met in my life. People who went to prison for rape, murder. Uh, you know, people who took pleasure in hurting other people. And I only attracted them to me because I had the mindset of like, I'm not good enough and I need to like become like them. And one of them sat me down. He's like, you continue being like this. Yeah, we're all right because we know your friend. If we didn't know your friend, you'd be fucking dead because mm. I had took weed from one of them without them knowing. <laughs> that could have been game over for me. But law of attraction worked for me because it, they say you attract what you are. What was I? I was insecure. I didn't love myself and I was lying. Same with these people. They hated themselves, but they, they weren't outwardly showing it. You know, we would, I would go to nightclubs and I would see they ain't paying no bouncers entry. They, didn't, they got women, they got everything they could ever want. When we got back, when they were drunk and they were crying, so was I. We were all the same. Now it's the complete opposite. No, I, bro, I'm, I'm not like sucking up to you, but I would never been attracted. I would never have been able to attract someone positive like you in my life if I was still like that. Mm. And all the people I have in my podcast, the connections I have now, I never would have met any of them if I was still in that negative frame. But now it's different because I carry myself differently. That's why all the results shift. It's not this like, okay, I thought about it and I just manifested it. Yeah. It doesn't happen like that. And you can't just meditate on something for 20 minutes and then it, oh, it's there. It takes years to build like longevity, sustainable success. And I just, I don't appreciate people making it out to be some like just some, some cheat quick, code yeah, yeah like yeah that's that's a beautiful way to put it man i couldn't agree more yeah i think it's like you said it's like people are being sold if you tell yourself that enough times that you're going to have a ferrari and if you look at the picture of a ferrari on your wall enough times eventually you're going to have a ferrari and it's like it doesn't work like that it's like you have to be coming from such a pure mindset and a, a space where those opportunities and those possibilities are always available to you. And it's like you said, if you are open to those things, more of it will come to you. And, and it's not necessarily so specific. Like, you know, I want to have, I mean, some people will do it. Like, I want to have a hundred grand by the end of the year. And like, you can still have those goals set out for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that, of course. But it's the fact of the way you go about it. If you're so like tied up in how you're going to do it, why are you going to do it? And, and looking for those reasons, you're not opening yourself up to the endless amount of possibilities that are out there that could also bring that 100 grand to you. Yeah. And just one thing on that, look, man, they don't advertise Ferrari on TV. Yeah. Why? 
Because the demographic who watch TV don't have the money. So if you want a Ferrari, stop watching TV. <laughs> this is one of the simple things you can start doing now. Like, bro, I, I know you, uh, you don't really watch TV. Most of the people in our... So it's not about demonizing entertainment. Consume Netflix, whatever you want. But it's just like, look at the habits it took other people to acquire what they have. Mm. Everyone loves talking about Gary Vee, Warren Buffett. Are you doing what the fuck they do? No. Most of the time, no. And I'm not shitting on anyone for doing it. I'm just saying, if you want what they have, do what they do. Mm. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. Yeah. What other habits would you say are, are things that people kind of do that Bro. could open? I mean, there's loads. I'm, I know. I'm, I'm a very... These, these are the most unpopular opinions I have, right? Number one, sh- shut up and don't complain. Number two, shut up and be on your own. And when I say shut up, I'm not saying like, you know, you're a bad person. I'm saying be quiet, Space and silence is where genius occurs. When you're quiet, you let things come in. And you can, like, if you're at the pub or if you're in a club, people are shouting, there's loud stuff. Going, you ain't gonna, what, what genius are you going to achieve there? It's, again, I'm not demonizing those things. Do it. But when, look, the habits I've acquired over the years, create instead of consume. Make it like 80-20, right? Create 80%, consume 20 Roughly, you can go 50-50, whatever. But like, keep things in check. And perspective is the most important thing ever. Like, people will say it to me all the time. I can't complain to you about my childhood. I say, you're fucking right, you can't, because you know my story. Now you've got perspective on your shit. You know, I can't complain about where I am now because there's a person in Syria who's getting the house bombed every day. Mm. You know, I can't go to Gary Vee and say, it was hard working in my family business because he was doing it for so long. Perspective is very important. Habits that everyone can acquire right now, hard work. And people always get confused about this. Let's break it down and make it very simple. If you want to be a YouTuber, how many videos did you make in the last two weeks? 20? Most likely zero. But why don't you make 20 videos in the next two weeks? Let's see what happens. You don't have to post any of them. Make it. See if this is for you. Lots of people want to be singers. How many so- How many tunes did you produce in the last two years? Dick, most likely. You know, like putting in the work changes you as a person. I was always lazy, bro. I was a typical stoner. Just, I just wanted to get fucked up all the time. Play PlayStation. That was it. But hard work has changed me so much. Mm. And I'd look, hard work in my eyes was like coaching sessions, reading books, learning about myself philosophy challenges that i did with my friends you know i made it fun um what else did i do i made videos i put i've made over 500 videos on my youtube channel i'm on episode 130 of my podcast i've done countless hours of free coaching these are the work that i put in and i've been making music since 2015 it still sounds like shit but i'm getting there like (laughs) i'm putting in the work my skateboarding (laughs) yeah bro like in 20 years time you check your skateboarding and my music is going to be there's going to be serious levels Because we've been doing something. And I just think like the most important habit of all, see your time as an investment. Yeah. If I gave you a trillion dollars, you'd see it as an asset to be invested. Yeah. But if someone looks at 20 years, they don't look at it that way. Yeah. That's the most important one. And I think the time thing is really important because one, one of the most profound things I ever took from what Gary Vee said is you have 24 hours in a day, eight hours you work, eight hours you sleep. What are you doing with the other eight hours? And that's when I went, he's right. Yep. What can I do with that eight hours? And that's where, you know, when I was working full time, I was still doing the podcast. I was still making videos. I was still, you know, still doing all this other stuff in that spare time. Now I've got myself into a position where I have more of that time to do more of this stuff. So it's, it is like looking at things like that. And it's, you know, there's that quote that you see on Instagram or whatever. Everyone has the same 24 hours as Beyonce. But it's like exactly like 
look what Beyonce does with her 24 hours and has been doing with her 24 hours for the past 20 years versus you sitting there watching Love Island or, you know, all these, whatever, you know. This, this is what keeps people poor, bro. And let me just qualify that because a lot of people get upset when I say that. Poverty in the first world sense is saying you never have enough. Yeah. Yeah. Like people always say to me, like, how do I manifest money? Say, what the fuck are you doing with your time? First of all, let's not dive into your business or anything else like that. What are you doing with your day? Mm. You're gossiping. You're losing money. You're watching this bullshit. You, Love Island, Game of Thrones. It's always going to no, be there. Game of Thrones, I'm though. not knocking it because I watched it every every week religiously. Even okay, when I was good. in Japan, I watched that shit. Good. But it's still going to be there. Yeah. Like you could buy the DVD. You could buy yeah, the. But yeah. it's still it's never going away. In a in a content rich society where everything is streamable, you're not don't like FOMO is the stupidest thing I've ever fucking heard. But I had it, so I know it's real. I'm not saying mm. it's not. I'm just saying like check yourself. Beyonce's 24 hours and your 24 hours look different because she has access to other things. But break it down to the simple building blocks, right? When she was five, she started singing. You might not be five now, but you can start doing something now. When she was like 20, that's when she, well, I don't know how old she was, but yeah. you, with the next 10, 15 years, you could get somewhere. Mm. Like for me, that's what I saw. My brother just shook me up one day. He was like, you do know if you don't do anything, like you're just going to end Nothing's up like, gonna happen. Yeah. you're going to end up like that. And he pointed to this person, it scared the shit out of me. My un uncle, I don't consider them family anymore. His stomach went so far over his belt buckle, like... I'm not taking the piss because he's like overweight. I'm just saying like it scared me because his eyes were really red. He wasn't smoking weed. And he was drinking a lot of alcohol. He's eating fried foods and just looked miserable. Mm. And I know by the way he behaved as well. He's a miserable guy. So like I didn't want to end up like that. And I think everyone should check their circles for someone who they don't want to become and look at who you do want to become. Mm. I started saying it recently. I want to be the Gary of my thing. Doesn't mean I'm gonna copy him. I don't wanna be, I don't wanna do what he does. I'm just saying of my thing. The way I'm gonna get there is by doing what he does. Mm. Not crying about, oh, he he has a, a guy who follows him. I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna get that one day, but at the moment I need to build. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like this, let's not make excuses. Yeah, I think the action is so important, man. And it's like you've mentioned a couple times about Japan. So there's no way we're skipping past that <laughs> um before we sign out. So what did you would like tell me man what did you learn about yourself and about japan and about life while you were there i never really told anyone like in public that this but like so before i went i had a breakup right mm. and um i'm sorry i've never i've never been embarrassed like this to talk about this but like yeah so the first two weeks i was in kyoto i spent a lot of time by myself did a lot of hiking was in nature and i'm not really a city person by the way so i went spent two weeks in tokyo I'll be honest with you, bro. I just ate a lot of food and had a lot of sex. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't promote it. And it wasn't with loads of women. It was just like a lot by my standards. And like, you know, it taught me that I I was, I demonized sex for a long time, right? Because mm. of all the shit. And also like in that three year period I took out of society, like I just looked at it like I need to heal. That's bad for me right now. And this was like the first time I felt like I was living... I felt like I was like an animal that got let loose in this city. But mm -hmm. I wasn't, it's not like I was out there intentionally just focused on sex, but it just started coming to me. Like I was meeting a lot of women. Uh, you know, I made friends with this Japanese singer on the aeroplane on the way over there and I started coaching her. And, uh, you know, she invited me to her event and I hooked up with one of her friends. 
And then like I started going to these other places, like some of my friends were recommending me, hey, go to this meetup, go to that meetup. And like, it's just like, I never really reaped the rewards of my success while I was here. Mm. You know, I never celebrated the fact that I was 26 and living my best fucking life with the best financial, spiritual, emotional, mental, physical shape I've ever been in. I never celebrated it. Mm. When I was there, I told someone what I did and they just like the look on their face, they looked at me like I was like, yeah, like it was a really great thing. I didn't realize that. And for those two weeks, I just kept getting the same response from people like, whoa, you do what? And I was talking to him about it. I realized like, oh shit. And that's when like, yeah, the the women thing was crazy, man. I never like, I, I don't do that here. I don't make time to do that here because I'm always on. But when I was there, I was in like serious vacation mode. I was just like chilling every day. And I remember I stayed over at this girl's place and in the morning she had to go to work. And she was like, what are you going to do today? And I was like, oh, might as well go get some sushi, go and watch this movie. And she was like, oh, God, so jealous. <laughs> and like, I went to watch this Avengers movie and I was seeing like, I was in the line and I was obviously on my own. And this girl behind me, we started talking and she was like, so are you here with your girlfriend? And I was like, no, I'm with myself. And she was like, the fuck? Why are you on your own? Mm. And I talked to her about the relationship you have with yourself. Again, like her eyes, the, the way she looked at me just changed. And what I learned about myself in the first two weeks was like, okay, yeah, like I need the healing and, and it was nice to be in nature. And I really enjoyed that time. And I spent a lot of time with myself. And those other two weeks, I just learned like, I don't need to cage. Like, there's no animal that I need to cage anymore. It's just like, let's keep these things in balance. Mm. I don't need to demonize that stuff. I don't need to look down at myself. I felt bad. First time I did it, I was like, what are you doing, man? But then I looked, like, I remembered, I'm not here to be a fucking monk, okay? Mm. I'm not sitting on top of the mountaintop telling everyone how to live their lives. I'm me. I'm allowed to make mistakes. I don't give a fuck if anyone thinks it's a bad thing. It's for me to decide. So I learned like a lot of acceptance and like unconditional positive regard. It doesn't mean like the mistake, like it doesn't mean the feelings of judgment went instantly, but like I really made peace with the fact that, yeah, I want to do these things. Mm. I want to eat meat, but I also want to go to that hot vegan joint, Mr. Farmer. It's fucking amazing, by the mm. way. Yeah. Um, there's, that was like, I just made peace with my desires. And it wasn't like an instant thing either. It was a lot of integrating when I came home. But if I want to eat a hamburger, I'm not going to kill myself and beat myself up for wanting to do that. If I want to have sex, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to like beat myself down for doing it because I'm not trying to attain this goal. Like my book is coming soon. Uh, not soon, but like, like soon-ish. It's called From Graduate to Guru. And it's not guru in the sense of like, yeah, I want to be like sod guru or any of these other like deity type people. I don't give a fuck about that shit. My friend did a photo shoot for me and he said, yeah, street guru, Sachin. That's, that's, that sounds about right. Guru for me just means teacher. Yeah. That accurately yes, describes yeah. it. But yeah, I've never shared that before. It's kind of weird. No, I'm, do you know what though? There's, there's a lot of beauty in that. In, in If you didn't have those four weeks, you wouldn't have gone through that process of the healing and then on the flip side the freedom and the acceptance and the and the joy and the doing what you want to do you wouldn't have had that 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 moment in your life and it's like it's so important to recognize those moments but also to like accept them and live through them because we don't do it and it's like you know i wouldn't say my experience in japan was similar in exactly <laughs> the same way but in terms of what you spoke about in terms of like 
going there and living with such a sense of freedom and allowing yourself to have that freedom it was so powerful like to learn about yourself and you know about doing things I wasn't by myself but I would still do things by myself or like you know if my two mates went walk down the street that way I might have walked on the other side of the street and gone into shot and just like wandered off or whatever and it's like you you have to allow yourself those times in life because you learn so much in that time period and it's like we don't do it enough and it's one of the things that next year I want to do so much more is like give myself that time and that space to to live but also like travel and see things and do things and just it's powerful man especially like you know i took some japanese lessons before i went but like yeah. not knowing the language just going up to random yeah. people speaking like it was just yeah i i really enjoyed it and my travel my experience of travel had been really like i think mod is the right term i don't know if i'm using that right but like i i just convinced myself i wasn't really a travel person because when i went for that significant period of time when i was going to australia and all that this girl was making my life a living fucking hell yeah and i just convinced myself i didn't like it but then this time around i was with myself and i really liked myself when i went so it was just such a liberating experience to see like wait actually yeah like i do like travel and mm. yeah i can talk to people like on the street oh man i walked into the red light district by accident i was <laughs> looking for this place called shogun burger and um this african lady came up to me she yanked me over to the side of the room she goes she pointed at these girls she goes which one do you want i was like listen yeah i'm looking for shogun burger i don't know what the fuck you are on about and um you know that like just having those kinds of encounters and meeting triads in a club and like showing each other our tattoos and shit it was so funny like you know i um one of the one of these girls i met she's like a biker chick and um dude a 43 year old woman with like the most incredible body you've ever seen in your life and i was like what the fuck man like every woman that i met in japan looked like a supermodel mm. it was mad and like those experiences i've had i'll i will remember them forever and it just really yeah liberation is the term i use it wasn't all about like giving into your desires but it's just like i'm i'm here and i can do whatever i want and yeah. this day like okay yeah you were mentioning like i walk on this side i walk on that side i literally sometimes i'll just turn off google maps and get lost and then i just like talk to people it was dope yeah. do you know what someone told me while i was out there the, one of the most powerful things you can ever do in your life is take yourself and a backpack and go traveling solo <laughs> Yeah. You learn so much about yourself. Yeah, man. I'm doing a lot more travel this year, next year. I'm going to the States next year. Next week, I'm going to Spain to visit my friend. Nice. Like, I'm just doing, you know, this is one of the things I love about putting in the hard work and reaping the rewards is like, I know I deserve this and not deserve from an arrogant place. Just like I sacrifice so much. You know, all of my friends told said to me, he thinks he's better than us. They got so much bullshit from other people. And all the time I knew it's going to be worth it one day. And when I was in Japan, I went to Tokyo and the place I was staying, it wasn't up to my standards. So I got my money back and I booked another hotel like that because, and it was a lot of money, bro. Like for, for what I would consider a lot of money at the time. Like if I wasn't doing what I do, I would have really like, I would have been really fucked up about it and I would have been mm. scared. But because of all of the hard work I've put in, I was able to say, yeah, I'm going to treat myself. I want to stay somewhere luxury. But the fucked up thing was, they had an onsen in the hotel and I wasn't allowed to go in because I had tattoos. Yeah. Fucked but up. You know, you can go to, you could have gone to private onsens. Yeah. 
I was not. I don't want to get yeah. naked in front of a bunch of dudes. So it, it was kind of. It's actually quite liberating. I can imagine. I don't know if I'm there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in ten years. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> uh, no, seriously, man. Look, it's been absolute pleasure. Like I love. You know, we always chop it up like this on the phone and stuff. So it's good to kind of sit down and record it and. You know, I love that you speak so freely and share your story and everything. So I fully appreciate it, man. And thank you for having me. No I, worries. Yeah, I really, I've been wanting to do this for a while. Yeah, 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 same actually. And it's funny how it worked out because you hit me up saying, I really want to come on your podcast. And then I had a couple of things go wrong with like previous <laughs> recordings and I had an availability for this week. So I just hit you up for actually, it, this has happened for this reason because you asked me like the day or two days before I realized what had happened. So I was like, okay, this is meant to happen now. Let's do it. Um, so yeah man here we are <laughs> thank you um, but before we sign out can you let people know where they can find you online how they can find out more about your coaching your podcast YouTube whatever you want to kind of plug yeah so no more one to one coaching for now um, you can find me on all platforms uh, Spoon of Consciousness um, I'm on I got a podcast YouTube channel Instagram Instagram is the best place to message me if you want to ask about groups that we're doing soon. But yeah, man, I just want to say thank you so much. I had you as guest um, as a guest on my episode 100. Yeah. I was so stoked to see that you've done more than 100 episodes. That's yeah. awesome. Thank really, you, man. congratulations. Thank you. This is actually the first. Is it going to be? Yeah, it's going to be the first interview after my episode 100. So that tie, how nicely does that <laughs> yeah. tie in? I forgot about that. Um, so yeah, man, look, absolute pleasure. Appreciate the time, and yeah, it's been wicked, man. Thank you. So there we have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, like I said, Sachin is one of my favorite people to chat to. He's got so much energy and passion. And I love the kind of topics that we, we spoke about and covered. And we've had so many kind of similar experiences and given each other advice, you know, over whether it's coaching or podcasts or content or whatever it is. So it's really great to kind of chop it up with him on, on, this, on this episode. And, and it was really important for me because I just went into the conversation without a plan, really. And because I knew that we would just have a really great chat and that's exactly what we did so i hope that you guys took a lot out of it so thanks again for listening if you don't want to connect with me you can hit me up on instagram at i am alex manzi take a screenshot of you listening to this post it to your story and tag me and i will catch up with you there but until next time i will see you then make sure you go out there and chase your dreams this podcast is produced by unedited